Okay. Well, this morning we've got a subject, a tema. Okay. Try to get out of my German. When you read your Bible in German, sometimes you just go back and forth. But uh, today we have something that we're going to be discussing that could get us into a lot of trouble as a church. Um, Honestly, um, the church has always been persecuted for preaching the truth. And the more that our society moves away from truth, the more that just preaching everyday common sense things is going to become taboo. It's going to become illegal. Uh, And do I want to break the law? Absolutely not. But when you see, who was it, Peter and John in the temple, and there's, is it right for us to obey you rather than God? You decide, but we're going to obey God. And uh, I, I think that's something that we're going to have to struggle with in the next few months, years. Um, and, and I remember my parents, uh, grandparents saying, uh, we can't imagine it getting any worse. And, and now we're at this time, and I'm like, can it get any worse? Than, I mean, they have... Well, you'll see when we read this what, what we're dealing with. And I saw something just this morning on this very subject right here. So um, Matthew chapter 19, we'll read verses 1 through 6. We're breaking this up. Uh, the whole paragraph goes down to verse 12. Uh, we'll deal with verse... Uh, 7 through 12 next week um, because it's just so full uh, of truth. It's so full of uh, just good stuff for us all. Now, I've told our newlyweds in the the congregation that this is directed primarily towards them. No, it's not. It's towards us all because it's just basic common sense for everyone. And I'm sure that we could ask Addie, questions about this, and she would get them right where professors at the university here in town would not be able to answer the question. That's how crazy we've gotten in our world, where a child is smarter than a professor. And uh, so you'll see what we're dealing with as we get down into this. But Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, it says this, And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee, and came unto the coasts of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them in the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more, uh, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father God, thank you so much for your word that you've given to us today. Thank you that you make it so plain the way we're supposed to live. Uh, Thank you that you make it so plain uh, what our duty in life is, uh, what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. Uh, Thank you that it brings such joy to us. Uh, But Lord, you know that the world we live in, um, there's so much discontent in this world today because we have abandoned 
your truth, and we have tried to reason things out on our own. Lord, I pray that you would help us today, that we would uh, surrender to your word again, that we would obey it, that um, we would just seek to honor you with all that we say and do. Uh, your glory is the top priority here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at this, we need to remember where we've come from a little bit uh, and, and where things are headed. Um, we just talked about in Matthew chapter 18, uh, the church having good communion, uh, communion together, having good fellowship together. If you have aught with a brother, you're supposed to go to your brother and you're supposed to talk to them just between you two and try to reason it out there. Best way to do things, because once you start getting outside that, it gets confusing, especially when you bring it into a big group and you start asking, well, what about this or what about that? And it will get things confusing and, and you won't be able to work through a problem like you can with just two people. And Christ has already dealt with this. And, and now he's He's been trying to instruct the disciples. He's been trying to draw them closer together. He's trying to get the infighting out. And now they're starting to move down to Jerusalem. Um, and they're taking uh, a path. And they've taken another path earlier. They've gone through Samaria. Um, and if you remember in John chapter 4, they went through Samaria and they dealt with the woman at the well. And, and that whole story. There were other times that they went through Samaria. And he, uh, I think he fed 4,000 and it just was a great time. Uh, they stayed for several days. Uh, so he would often go through Samaria, but this time he goes around Samaria and he's going on the east side of the Jordan down the path on that side. And he's uh, got a whole group of people with him. I mean, they are just thronging him. Have you ever been in a situation where I just need some peace and quiet. Just leave me alone for a little bit. You know, kids, stay in your room. Don't say anything. Play by yourself. Daylene, I'm going to my room. Just leave me. Or I'm going out to the woods, and I'm just going to hang in my hammock. Leave me alone and let me hang in my hammock. And, you know, we all need those times that we can come apart and just have some quiet time to deal with some of the things that we've been dealing with on our own. Um, here, Christ, he doesn't get that. I mean, he is surrounded by people all the time. They always want something from him. I mean, if you've got somebody that's always wanting something from you, I mean, moms, you should know that when, when you've got a kid, mommy, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> or as a dad, you've got dad, uh, what about, uh, dad, what about, it's like, shut up for just a second. Think about it for yourself. If you would think this one through, maybe you could, hey, I think, I think somebody else has had the same conversation with others. Exactly the same. If you would stop and think about what you're saying, you could come to a reasonable, you know, but they're always there. They're always asking questions. They're always wanting to know a little bit more. And that's how God's created them. And that's why, you know, no offense to anyone here, but that's why God gives us children when we're young so that we have the energy to take care of them. If I had to deal with a little kid at this age of my life now, Evan, I am so sorry. I mean, I would go crazy. I have somehow more patience, maybe. Maybe that's true. 
Maybe it's, I imagine, I, I saw what my dad went through with me, and I'm like, I, I've got to at least have as much patience as my dad had with me. So anyway, but we know what that's like. And then we see Christ here, and he's constantly got people coming to him. And you know what I see? He kind of enjoys it. He just loves to have people around him. I mean, why wouldn't he? Uh, what, what's, what's the name that we, we see that he has given back in Matthew? Well, back in Isaiah, uh, Emmanuel. What does it mean? God with us. He just loves to spend time with us. And it just blows me away because there's sometimes I don't even want to spend time with me. Why would he want to spend time with me? I mean, why would Daylene want to spend time with me? I don't even want, if I could get away from me for a little bit, I would do it, you know, and just stay right there. I'll be back later. <laughs> yeah, I can't get away from myself. But here Christ is just, in, it appears to me that he is enjoying his time with everyone. He realizes this is his last trip to go down to Jerusalem. And, and so he's going by the river. Now, who is in charge of this area of land? Well, Herod is in charge of this area of land. What has Herod done just oh, maybe a few years earlier, maybe a year or two earlier? Yeah, he cut off John the Baptist's head. Why did he cut off John the Baptist's head? Because Solomon asked for it, but why did Solomon ask for it? Because Herodias uh, said, you know, I don't like that he's preaching against me being married to my brother-in-law. Yeah, okay. And, and, you know, divorce and all, that whole thing was in the air. And now he's in Herod's territory. And look what happens. Look what the question is coming up. Now, I love how it's worded here, starting in, in verse 3. Uh, Christ has been doing good things. He's been healing people. This should be enough to show them, this is God in the flesh. Obey him. Stop trying to fight against him. But chapter or verse 3, it says, The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Why did they bring this one up? Well, for one, I think it's because of where he was at. Uh, I think they were hoping for one of maybe two outcomes here. Uh, one, I think they were hoping that Herod would hear that here Jesus is saying the same thing that John the Baptist said, arrest him, put him in prison, and we're done with our problem. We don't have to deal with him anymore. If he will answer this question wrong, we're done with it. And, and so I think they were hoping that the Herodians uh, would hear what's going on, and that's why the, the question is posed. Have you ever had someone ask you a question just so that they can, it's a gotcha question. I mean, don't we hate those? Don't, I mean, if somebody asks me a gotcha question, it's like, I'm not even answering you. You're an idiot. You know, I'm going to call you every name in the book that I can think of just to set you off because of the way you're, you're asking your question. I hate, you know, the, the person that I know that was the best at asking questions like this was me. Uh, I could ask gotcha questions all day long. And, and in college, I would do that. People would bring up one thing. And I was great at playing the devil's advocate. If they were Calvinists, I would ask Arminian questions. If they were Arminian, I would ask Calvinist questions because I'm a Baptist. We're kind of different that way. Uh, we know how to push people's buttons on both sides of the aisle. And, uh, you know, it's fun. But 
you know, it, it, I hate gotcha questions. You don't want to know an answer. You could care less about the answer, but you're just asking that so that you can try to get me into trouble. Uh, have you ever had your kids do that to you where your kid asks you a question in front of your spouse to just try to get you into trouble? Not you. I have had it happen before. And, and it's like, I told you, we're not going to talk about this right now. <laughs> you know? I, I remember having a little bit of a discussion like that. Leave it alone for now. We will deal with that later. Uh, and, and you've got to be so careful because what does Satan always like to do? He likes to make division. Well, what's been going on also with the Jewish people here? They've had a big problem going on. They've had a big uh, situation. You can go back in, in Matthew and see where um, Joseph, because of Mary being found with child, he wants to put her away um, because she's found with child. That was lawful under the law. But the, the question was, okay, is it only for fornication? You go back to Matthew chapter 5, um, and, and you see that Christ says divorce is only allowed in fornication. Well, what's that talking about? What's the difference between fornication and adultery? Fornication is before marriage. It's something that was found out uh, before you came together. Uh, in the Jewish culture, they had, you would make a, a contract, and you would sign this contract, we are marrying. Here are my duties, here are your duties. You both sign it, and you part for nine months. You wait for nine months. Does anybody know why you would wait nine months? It's to wait and see, is there something wrong? Or is she going to have a kid? What's going on? It was nine months, okay, to make sure there was no infidelity here. And at the end of nine months, they would come together. If she was found with child in that nine months, he could divorce her. Now, one of the schools held, uh, and the more strict school held, the only case that divorce was allowed was in this time period, after you'd signed the contract, you're married, you're legally married. Now you can get divorced if she's found with child. She's been, she's a fornicator. You can part, you can give her a writing of divorce, and you can go your own way, and you're not guilty for marrying someone else. If after, though, you have come together, it doesn't matter at all whatsoever what happens. There is no divorce from that point on. Absolutely not. It doesn't matter what she's done. It doesn't matter what you've done. It is not supposed to be, it doesn't happen. And I know in our culture, we have this, uh, what's, what's the term? In, in the United States, it's a no-fault divorce. Boy, when they put that into law, that destroyed marriage. Uh, I remember back, I think it was back in the late 70s, early 80s when that was done. And I remember our pastor saying at the time, he said, this is going to open the door to all kinds of things, and it's not going to be good. And, and from that point, we have seen the deterioration of the country because marriage got to be defined as whatever after that point. And it let the government get into the domain where God was only supposed to be, um, which is marriage. Now, that being said, there was another group that said you could divorce for any cause. If your wife burns your toast, you can divorce her. I mean, yeah, it's kind of silly. 
<laughs> that's how far it had gone. And so they had taken the law of Moses back here, and we'll get into that next week a little bit more, but they had taken this law and they had run with it to the nth degree that, you know, she's not pleasing me because that's the wording that's found there because God's word is trying to be delicate so that a child can read it and not be offended. And, but an adult can read it and understand exactly what's going on. And that happens when you get into Song of Solomon. You see some of that. You know exactly what's going on if you're married. But a child reading it is like, okay, that sounds cool. You know, it's poetry. And, and you don't even think about it. But uh, that's how the Word of God is. And he was trying to be delicate back there. But if she doesn't find pleasure in his eyes... She can do, or he can divorce her. And so, well, you burned my toast, so you don't find, I, I'm not pleased with you anymore, so off to the curb you go. And, and they were abusing that. And, and you see later on, one of the disciples says, if we're not supposed to divorce for any cause, why get married at all? It's like, boy, you take things to the nth degree, don't you? I mean, you, you know Christ is God in the flesh. But some of the guys that he chose to follow him, you got to wonder, really? I mean, really? That person? <laughs> yeah. But I'm no better. I Really, I'm not. I, I would ask this. I would push the limits. And, and so, but they're trying to make this division here. And who is always trying to make a division? Daylene and I were talking about this. Uh, just yesterday on the way home. Oh, Daylene. No, Daylene is not always trying to cause the division. No, we were talking about this on the way home uh, in the garden. Who caused the division there? You know, Satan is there in the garden, and he has separated Adam and Eve. He has caused the division, even if they were standing next to each other. In, in their mindset, in the way they're thinking, they're divided. And so anytime you see division there, uh, what does the Bible tell us? Only by pride cometh contention. Uh, so if, you, if there's some contention going on, um, Noel, when there's contention going on in your relationship, you know Cameron's got pride going on here. Okay, and you can just tell him, your dad says you're proud. And, and so, yeah. <laughs> now, now we've caused a whole bunch of problems. But do you see the, we know who's operating here because they're trying to cause contention. They're trying to cause a division because part of the population wants to know, Am I okay to divorce my wife because, you know, things are not going so great at home? And the other part of the population is saying, the word of God is clear. You're not supposed to get divorced. And so there's already this division. And Christ is bringing people together because he's healing people. He's giving them the word of God. He's saying, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the, uh, you know, think of the other beatitudes. I can't pull them off the top of my head right now. Uh, but look at what creates blessedness, and yet they're causing division over here. And so this is what he's trying to deal with as he's getting ready to come down. And look at the response that Christ gives them. I love this quick look that we have at Christ's response, starting in verse 4. He says, He answered and said unto them, Have ye not read? I love that. Okay. I'm going to stop there for just a little bit. When do you ask a person, have you not read? Uh, did you not read the instructions? I mean, 
When's the last time you bought a piece of furniture from Ikea or wherever it is? We get most of our furniture comes from Ikea. Uh, and, and you get it home and you open up the box and what's the first thing you find in the box? Your instructions. And here are all the things you're supposed to have. Here's the way you're supposed to lay it out. You know who is really good at reading those instructions? Baleen is. She loves, let's make sure that we do it by the book. You know who is not good at that? Me. I, I pull things out and we'll put this and put that. And I get halfway into it and I probably put something together that you cannot cut take apart and it's like wait a minute you were supposed to put this little board in first and it's like ah oh. then she didn't you read and i just want to <clears throat> you're not finding pleasure in my eyes now <laughs> but didn't you read the instructions uh, that's what little kids are asked didn't you read the question on the test if you were we were always told in college Robert, here's some good instruction for you. When you get a test and, and you have a test in front of you that you're supposed to accomplish, read through it real quick, skim through it really quick, and, and just see if there's, see what's going on with the test so you can budget your time and whatever. Uh, but there were some tests that I took in college that if you did that, you'd turn to the last page and you'd see on that last page the 50th question, the grace question. And I was always looking for the grace question. If you have not written on paper at all, mark over here and then turn the paper back in and you get 100% on the test. Okay. But the, they were trying to teach us because they had stated this over and over and over. Read through the test or look over the test real quick before you start answering questions because there are going to be things that you need to know you know, back and forth. So do this. And so there were times that you would get into a test and you would see the smart kid, they get, and they'd start going with the test. And I'd start looking. I'm like, oh, there's that. And I'd just sit and watch the other kids as they're trying to go through the test. And then I'd get up and I'd walk back and I'd put my paper down and they're looking at me like, we know you're dyslexic. You cannot read that fast. What's going on here? And then they would turn to the last... Oh man, now I've got to go through the whole test. And he's got a whole hour free. Yeah, it, but just looking through the test real quick made a, a world of difference sometimes. Uh, they probably don't do that here in Mannheim, do they? No. Don't get your hopes up. We, I went to a school that believed in grace. They believed in a lot of grace a lot of times. But here Christ is asking this question. Have you not read... Haven't you read the instructions here? You know, and it's very simple because going back to Deuteronomy, uh, which Christ refers, you know what the second most attacked book in the Bible is? Genesis is the first most attacked book of the Bible. Deuteronomy is the second most because Christ quotes from it all the time. Uh, he quotes from it all the time when he's uh, attacked by Satan, he quotes from it. When he's attacked by the, the Pharisees, he quotes from it. He is quoting Deuteronomy all the time. Uh, and, and the only book that he quotes more than Deuteronomy is the Psalms. That's the only book that he qu quotes more than Deuteronomy, if my study was correct this week. But here he says, have you not read what was stated in the law? And that's important because we have a God-given law that shows us how the world really works. 
And if we're not operating by the way the world really works, it doesn't matter which law you're using, it's not gonna work out. Uh, I, I was listening to something just this morning. I was looking at Twitter and, and just going through my Twitter feed and I came across something and they said, well, we've got a problem now because you've got the civil law that says one thing that, that guys can change and become girls and then you've got biology. And so the two are at odds with each other. I'm like, well, which one changed, you know, which one changed and maybe we should change it back and then we wouldn't have this problem. But they refused to look at it because she said, well, I'm just trying to be nice to these other people. If you were trying to be nice, you would tell them the truth instead of lying to them. Lying to somebody is never kind. It's never nice to lie, but that's what they do is they lie trying to appease their feelings. Facts don't care about your feelings. Uh, they're going to remain the facts just the same. But have you not read, is what he's saying? Have you not looked at the Old Testament law? Who were masters of the Old Testament law? The Pharisees. I mean, this had to have been a slap in their face. I can imagine Christ bringing the little kid of the room up here. Okay, Addie has just learned how to read. Addie, can you read Genesis chapter 2, where it says, and he made them, male and female. In the image of God made he them. Uh, male and female made he them. Uh, all he would have had to do is bring about a six-year-old little boy up to read that, and they would have known exactly where it was going. But they wanted to make things complicated. So, okay, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Very plain, very simple. Uh, and he said, for this cause, now let's stop there for just a little bit. There is a uh, specific reason why you're made. And, and part of the problem in our world today is people are so unhappy because they don't know what their purpose in life is. And when you lose your purpose in life, you don't have any joy. Uh, and, and when you try to take the purpose that someone else has, and apply it to yourself, you don't have any joy. And when you take your purpose and you put it on someone else, they don't have any joy either. It, it, you've got to stay in your own lane, if you, if you will. Uh, if you're driving on the Audubon and you start trying to go back and forth to lanes, it, it causes a lot of problems really fast. It can get hectic really fast. Stay in your own lane. Uh, that's something that my dad told me so many times. Just stay in your own lane. You don't need to be jumping back and forth. You're not a NASCAR driver. You're not a Formula One driver. Stay in your own lane. But he said, and said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. The question that has been raised quite a bit is, why does it say that a man will leave his father and mother? Why does it not say... And, and this, for this cause shall a woman also leave her father and mother. It seems to me, and, and I'm just looking at it from outward, women, it seems they can leave their families a little bit easier and, and join into another family a whole lot easier than it is for a man to do that. Uh, I might be wrong on that, but I think the studies have shown out that men are lazy. And men don't like to move. And they have to be motivated to step out and do something different. And in our generation, don't we have a whole generation of young men that refuse to step out 
and do anything. I mean, especially, I'm not saying playing video games at home is not okay. It's fun in its place. It's great in its, in its place. But when it gets out of its place, and that's when your life becomes video games and you don't move out of the basement and go do something else. I mean, we worked with Cameron quite literally on this. As soon as there was a room outside the basement that he could move into, we moved him out of the basement upstairs so that he's a part of the family again. And, and then as soon as he could move out of the house, there you go, bud. You know, and it's great to see what's... Yeah, he's like, yay, here I go. Uh, and I was happy for that because you like to see them take off and you like to see them do things because so many of them just want to sit at home and let mom bring sandwiches so that they can eat and play their video games and watch their sports. And that's all they do. But it says here, for this cause, because he founds, he has found a cause in life that's worth working towards, which is building a family. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. She becomes more important to them or to him than his parents do, which is the way it should be. Okay. Uh, I don't know how many marriages have been destroyed because parents get involved and cause problems. And yes, I have, we have Cameron over at our house all the time. And sometimes, you know, he just needs, you got a place over there and get back to your place and deal with it on your own. At this point, we haven't had to come to that, but this is part of it. They shall leave their father and mother and cleave unto their wife. And then it goes on to say, and the twain shall be one flesh. Now, we, we all know that this is not talking literally, that they are glued together. And this is the wording that is used, that, that word cleave. It's like you've taken and made an epoxy glue and you've stuck something together and it's impossible to rip it apart. Have you ever gotten your fingers stuck together when you're, you're doing um, super glue and models and different things and you get your fingers stuck together and you can't get them apart. And when you do get it apart, both fingers start bleeding because it's ripped skin off of both of them and it's stuck to the other. And has that... Uh huh. Very much, right? Very much that way. But this one is specific. It's talking about gluing something together or epoxying something together so that it cannot be removed. It's interesting when you weld two things together. That weld, if it's done right, is stronger than the two other pieces there. And, and so when when this is done right, this is supposed to be more. Uh, binding than your relationship to anyone else. Okay. You are one, one flesh here. You cannot be separated. And, and if it is broken, it's going to break you. It will hurt and it will hurt the rest of your life. Uh, that's just the way it is right here. And they too shall be one flesh. Okay. Wherefore, uh, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And, and as you look at this and you see God's plan for marriage, and, and we always read this when there's a marriage ceremony. You read this passage here and, and 
oh, it's so sweet and it's so good. But Christ is dealing with a conflict here, and he's dealing with something, a problem in their society, and I believe in our society too, because we've forgotten what the purpose of God is in marriage. What is the whole purpose for marriage? Now, the Catholics would say the purpose of marriage is to reproduce. That's the whole purpose of why God wants us to get married. No, it's not. The Catholics are wrong on that count. The whole purpose of marriage, the reason we get married is to be examples, to show a picture of what God wants to do with people, with us. He wants to join up with us, and He wants to commune with us. Look at how this whole thing started. He's walking down the Jordan River with a group of people. He is communing with them. He's healing them. He is just getting to know people. And, and this is the whole purpose of marriage, is to show to the rest of the world, this is what God wants with you. He wants to be this close to you. Um, we were listening to a song this morning on the way to church, and I forget exactly how it was worded in it, but that he gave up his throne in heaven to make a throne right here. He is living inside me. And the moment I remember that, it, it doesn't matter. My happiness now is not contingent on our daily internet getting along. I mean, we might not be getting along someday, and I'm not quite so happy. But the joy that's inside, because I know that as pig-headed as I could be, Christ is still there with me. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. Um, another version says, uh, he will never abandon you. I like that phrase there because what does it mean to be forsaken or to be abandoned? It just, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. God will never do that to us. Uh, and look at how the, the children of Israel sinned all along the way. And did he, I mean, he was ready to destroy them all, but he was not going to break his covenant. He might kill them, but he wasn't going to break his covenant with them. <laughs> which is funny because, you know, I've got a covenant with you, and the only way you're getting out of this is dying, and so let's take care of that. <laughs> so, But he wasn't going to break his covenant with him. Don't we have a better covenant than they had back then? Isn't the relationship between a man and a woman, that's a covenant, isn't it? And it pictures the covenant between God and us. What has Christ done to win us? What kind of a dowry has he paid for us? You know, this is something that used to be very big in, in cultures, is to pay that dowry. Uh, some of you might remember Toby and Marion. Uh, the dowry, he showed me the pallet of stuff that they had. He paid to marry his wife. I mean, it was a huge... It took him, I think it was three years, to save up enough money to marry his wife. And, and then the parents used that to do the, the wedding feast. And so it was kind of an interesting thing, but it was that dowry. And if she broke the covenant, the parents had to pay back the dowry to him. So it kind of bound her to him, but it also bound him to her because she was, she was pricey. I mean, she had a good education. The better your education is, somebody offered us, what was it, 100 camels for Kindle? I mean, you know, I was tempted there. <laughs> but we need to remember, what can we learn from this? We should remember that, God, that Jesus loves us. 
And he just loves to spend time with us. I mean, just like a father and a son, like a husband and a wife. When Dalian came in yesterday on the airplane, we were frantic trying to find each other. Do you know Terminal 1 is about the dumbest terminal in the world? I hate Terminal 1. Terminal 2, it's so simple. There's where they're going to come out. There's where you park. It's so simple. You get to Terminal 1, it's like, I'm going to arrive. Whoops, I missed my turn, and now I'm stuck in the 10th floor of the parking garage. And okay, what do I do now? And okay, where are you at, Daylene? It was crazy. And finally, she walks around. Yes, there you are. I'm saved. Uh, Christ just wants to spend time with us. Like, we want to spend time with each other. Um, His name, back in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Emmanuel, God with us. He just wants to spend time with us. Um, We should also remember that we are created with a purpose. There is a purpose behind how you are made and what you're made for. And if I try to take my purpose that God has given me and put it on you, it won't work. You have to find, you have to get into the Word of God, figure out what the main purpose is, and then along the way you can find other purposes. But what's the main purpose? Why God has created you? What is our enemy trying to to, to do? He's trying to break up that purpose and keep us from our purpose because he knows he didn't fulfill his purpose. What was Satan's purpose? What was he supposed to do? What was he created for? What, well, what was he created for? Yeah, he was the choir leader. He was supposed, he was sur- around the throne, if you will. Uh, he was the covering cherub. And, and when you read about it, and it's just amazing. And now he has been dethroned, and God is putting someone else in his place. Who is he putting in his place? The church, the called assembly. We will be around the throne. Why do you think we're so diverse? Why do you think we, I I know we don't like to bring this up, but why do you think we have different colors of skin? I think it's because God wants to show us, hey, look at what happens when my glory flows through Gaston as opposed to Walter. This is cool. I mean... Have you ever thought about that? No, we're not allowed to think about that because that might be racist. It's not racist at all. It's just God created us different. And it's going to be amazing when we stand there and we see, oh, look at this, Gaston. I could never do that, what Gaston is doing. It's going to be so amazing when we get there. But Satan hates that. So his purpose now is to accuse us and to steal, kill, and destroy and the purpose that God has for us, he's trying to destroy that purpose in our lives and to, to, to kill out what we could do for Christ. Just imagine with me for just a second. If you knew what the purpose of God is in your life, and, and if each one of us were trying to accomplish that as a church, what could we do even with this small number of people? What could we do? It would be amazing if we would just do that. Okay, and that's what we should all be aiming towards is to do what Christ has called us to do. And then our relationship with the bride is never meant to be destroyed. Jesus says it in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He has created us to have an everlasting relationship with him. The Bible says no man... You're in my hand, and I'm in the Father's hand, and no man can sunder us. We, 
We are secure in his love. Don't ever think, okay, don't ever think that you have done something so bad that he doesn't still love. He might not want, he might be disappointed in you. He might be getting ready to punish you, but he still loves you, okay? And, and he's doing all he can to bring you back to himself. I mean, look at the cross. If he's willing to go to the cross to save you, what is he willing to do to draw you back to himself if you've stepped away? Just remember that. Isn't it better to come back and just, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Can we make this right? What, what do I need? What can we do to go forward here? How can we make this right? Uh, always be willing to come back to him. He is loving. He's patient. He's gentle. He wants to be united with us. Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Dear Father God, thank you so much for this good day you've given to us today. Uh, thank you for your word. Thank you so much for just how, how needed it is today, how we have forgotten this as a society that you've created us. You've created us with a purpose. Uh, and there are so many people that are so unhappy because they have decided to go their own way, seek their own purpose, and they've forgotten that only serving you truly brings happiness, truly brings joy in, in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just help us to remember that as we go along. Um, help us to remember as we go through our life uh, that when there are tough times, uh, you have given us a purpose, and, and it's to stay together. Uh, as married couples, we're, we're to stay together uh, and to glorify you through the whole process. Um, Lord, I pray you would just do a work uh, in our church, and not just our church. Lord, I pray you would do a work in our community uh, here in Mannheim and, and in Germany and around the world, Lord. We need, uh, we need your healing touch. Uh, we love you and praise you. Have your will and way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Well.